Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry, and today we're talking about mental health of journalists throughout the pandemic, and how talking about mental health can actually lead to meaningful change. My guest today is Tom Harrigan, a senior journalist for BBC News, and also the founder of Newsbreak, which is a website for journalists to write freely about their mental health. It launched two months ago, but has already seen a range of contributions from around the industry opening up about their own mental health throughout the pandemic. What is clear so far is a common feeling of burnout and an inability to switch off after your shift. As it looks more and more probable that future newsrooms will go to some sort of hybrid model of physical and virtual working, Tom, who lives with health anxiety himself, offers a few areas of improvement in regards to mental health support to take into this potential setup. That includes making journalists feel more comfortable speaking to managers about any problems they're having, making newsroom support more accessible and immediately helpful, and an attitude shift where mental health conditions are treated equally to physical ones. Tom says he is already starting to see change happen as a direct result of simply initiating the conversation. That's all to come, but first, this. As well as great editorial content, journalism.co.uk provides a jobs board with the latest opportunities from around the media industry. Our job of the week is a co-editor position at The New Internationalist. For this position and all the rest on our jobs board, head over to www.journalism.co.uk forward slash jobs. Tom, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. What's the working situation like for yourself at the moment? Well, it's been um, pretty normal, actually, for us. I'm part of the main national radio newsroom at the BBC's headquarters in London. And for the most part, we have been working in the office. And that has mainly been for technical reasons other than anything else. The BBC simply hasn't had enough laptops to give out to the hundreds and hundreds of staff that we have So we have been coming into the office and it's all been very COVID secure. We've been doing um, COVID tests before we've started a run of shifts. We're social distanced. We do all our meetings on Zoom now. Um, So it's all very safe. And it's quite strange how quickly that has become normal practice compared with how we were just a year ago and running in a completely different sort of operation. So we're still producing all the same content. Hopefully listeners won't notice too much of a difference, but it's actually quite different in terms of the the, the way that we're working in the office. But I have done very little homeworking in the last year. And so I've had a more normal pandemic than a lot of other people, I suppose. Business as usual then. Yeah, I guess so. Um, because the news wheels have got to keep turning and <laughs> I'm working on output for radios two and four mainly. And there are huge audiences to those stations who are expecting us to be giving them as much coronavirus news and updates as we possibly can. And so we don't have a choice. We've just got to keep on trucking. And you've been busy. Uh, in January of this year, you launched your website, Newsbreak. Yes. And that came about because I was alarmed, quite frankly, at the start of the year, how many people I was seeing on social media. And this was journalists from across the sector and not just broadcasters that I know, people that I'd never met, who seemed to be 
really quite despondent that we got into 2021 and things hadn't changed. And from people that I've spoken to over the last couple of months, even though it was obvious that we weren't going to get into January and suddenly everything would be okay again, I think psychologically people thought that there would be the opportunity to maybe look forward going into a new year. And yet, because nothing did change, people started to think, well, how much longer are we going to have to do this? How much longer are we going to be just bombarded with so much grim information that we have to process and impart to an audience in the clearest possible way that we can? It seemed endless. You've already seen a range of contributions from reporters at Reach PLC, Sky News and Global Radio. What have been the key takeaways of those pieces and some of the common messages? It's been amazing, really, how willing people have been to be completely honest and upfront about the experiences that they've had. And we've had a whole variety of experiences shared with us from people having to move home in the middle of a pandemic and going through personal tragedies like the loss of relatives and having to juggle that with the grim news that they're processing at work and having to strike some kind of balance and inevitably taking a huge toll on them. And we've also had people talking about the ways in which their day-to-day lives have changed at work. You know, we had somebody write a blog for us in local radio who has been pretty much entirely working from home in a way that hadn't happened during the pandemic. And yet there is still the responsibility on them pretty much as the sole journalist for that local radio station to provide the listeners to that station with the same insight, same local news and to strike a balance between bringing people the information that they need to know about coronavirus and everything that's going on related to the pandemic in their area, but to find light and shade too. And how he had taken great comfort for his own personal mental well-being in seeking out the happy stories the quirky stories the thing that people remember at the end of a news bulletin i think it has shown that there are so many different approaches to dealing with well-being to managing your own well-being and that there is no one size fits all experience of course there isn't everybody's story is individual but the way that people have dealt with it i think has given certainly people who've read the articles on Newsbreak, a little bit of an insight into, again, making them feel that they're not alone, but that there can be a route through, even if things seem really difficult. Great to hear that talking about experiences isn't just writing into the void. It's resonating and and having that ripple effect, as it were. Um, Let's come on to your own experiences with mental health, Tom. What can you tell me about that? So I was diagnosed with health anxiety some years ago, and in a nutshell, it's basically what used to be called hypochondria. But I would suddenly develop a symptom of some sort, be that um, a mark on my body or a strange sensation in my chest. You focus on it. It becomes something that you can't ignore. The more you worry about it, the worse the symptom becomes. Certainly, that's the way you perceive it, because the brain very cleverly is mimicking the symptom rather than it actually being a sign of something serious but you don't know that and because you have this doubt in your mind the nagging doubt forces you to go to a doctor you go and have various tests that you don't need really and until you get a result that they've come back clear and it's negative then you can't rest up you can't rest easy and that becomes sometimes all-encompassing and it got so bad for me that I had to go into therapy because it was taking over my every waking thought and when you're trying to do a job like mine as most journalists would know 
you've got to have your wits about you and you've got to have your full focus. And I couldn't devote my entire mind sometimes to the task in hand. So I knew that something had to be done about it. So I went through several courses of therapy and ended up taking medication, which has actually helped me a lot. It's not for everyone. And I say that to everybody I speak to about this. But for me, it has certainly helped for me to get in control of the health anxiety. It's not a cure by any means. I think very few people who have experienced mental health problems ever say that they're cured. It doesn't work like that. But it's certainly allowed me to be in control of the anxiety rather than it being in control of me. So we come to the pandemic. And I have friends asking me, oh, well, this must be really bad for you. Obviously, you know, this is a, a, the biggest health story that we've seen in decades. You suffer from health anxiety. How on earth are you dealing with it? And weirdly enough, I was less worried about the virus itself and more concerned about what would happen if I was diagnosed with one of the serious diseases that I've been concerned about in the past. I've had a thing about various cancers and, and fears about getting cancers in the past. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. So say I developed a symptom of a cancer and then I ended up testing positive for a cancer and I couldn't get treatment because the NHS was understandably prioritizing COVID patients and COVID care. And that was a stress initially until I kind of was able to deal with that in my own way. There has also been the issue of fatigue and the volume of bad news has been so unrelenting and so gigantic. I've often come home at the end of a set of shifts. I work three shifts on, three shifts off, and those three shifts are usually quite long, sort of 11, 12 hours. Come home exhausted. And because I've been following those stories all day, I'll get in the door, I'll sit down, and then I'll start doom scrolling through Twitter to keep tabs on those same stories because I feel like I need to know how they end if there is an end to them in sight or I need to make sure that I've got the latest lines in my head because I'm going back to work in less than 12 hours and I don't want to feel that somehow I've fallen behind on a particular story because I'm worried about letting colleagues down and I absolutely want to keep myself up to date and it's pretty exhausting it really is and I think that's been the really interesting thing on Newsbreak the one issue that more journalists have raised with us than any other over the last couple of months is burnout and doom scrolling and not being able to switch off when they're outside the office and I felt so dispirited about ceaseless lockdowns lack of things to look forward to that one day I thought do you know what I just don't want to get out of bed it's actually easier for me to keep my head under the duvet because at least I feel safer in there in some kind of cocoon. And that's something that I think we as a wider journalism community really have to start looking at seriously, not just for the remainder of the pandemic, but for afterwards, because this has to be a long-term thing we need to address. This is something that we've got to start having a wider conversation about and start thinking about how we can help journalists to switch off once they're not at work, that journalists don't have to go home and keep tabs on the news, not that there is explicitly that expectation already, and to start thinking about how we approach journalists' mental health more proactively. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the point you're trying to reach, isn't it? That it's good to have a discussion with your peers about this, but ideally that needs to escalate up to a leadership conversation. It does. And part of the reason for setting up Newsbreak is that I hope that we can actually take these chats that we're having among journalists to management teams of large news organisations and say, 
these are the experiences on the ground. We know that you want the very best for your employees. And I think we need to look at this together to see how employees can be best supported. Now, I am not having a go at any news organisations in the way that they have approached this. You know, at the BBC, there are various initiatives in place. We have mental health first aiders who are regular members of staff who are given additional training that people can support if they approach them with a with an issue of, of stress or anxiety and they can kind of point them in the direction of help. There are weekly Zoom seminars addressing issues such as mindfulness and well-being and dealing with stress. The thing is, I think we can do more than that. So while it's great that we have mental health first aiders, taking that as one example, they're not particularly visible. And I couldn't tell you who a mental health first aider in my team was, to be honest, um, because they're not necessarily signposted clearly enough. It's great having these Zoom sessions, which can offer really useful advice on topics surrounding mental health, but they tend to be very much one-way conversations in that you are being given information and it's up to you to do what you want with it. And I think that conversation needs to be a two-way thing. I think we need to start having more training within news organisations about dealing with trauma. This is something that's come up quite a lot as well in the the only times that journalists seem to be given training for trauma is that if they're going into very difficult, hostile environments like war zones, understandably, they need that support. Or if they've had to see something particularly harrowing, for instance, picture editors who've had to see and witness a, a hostage video, for instance, like we had a few years ago with the Islamic State kidnappings and beheadings. And obviously, that support needs to be there for those people 100%. But I think we could widen that out and teach journalists ways of coping with trauma because I was speaking to um, the mental health professional, Dr. Rada Modga, who's done a lot of stuff with the BBC, was a host of Radio One's Life Hacks for quite some time. And she said the first approach for journalists when thinking about their mental health is actually acknowledging that we do a traumatic job. What COVID has shown is how easily mental health can become an issue for all newsrooms, not just those who regularly face those harrowing subjects. A global survey put out towards the end of last year by freelance journalist John Crowley looked precisely at this question. Of his 130 respondents, he found that three quarters of journalists around the world experience lockdown-related stress. The question becomes, what is the minimum support that newsrooms can be giving their staff as we look to the future. I'm not necessarily speaking for the BBC here, but we've had people approach Newsbreak who have gone to their bosses and say, look, I'm really struggling. I'm feeling really burnt out. And their bosses have taken it very seriously. But the response has typically been to give them a leaflet with some sort of phone number or website that they can visit. And the buck has been passed, mainly because the bosses themselves don't really know how to manage the situation. And that isn't particularly helpful because the help needs to come at an earlier stage and needs the intervention needs to happen at an earlier stage. There's also another issue that's come out in the conversations that I've been having in that we still have this great double standard between how mental health and physical health are treated. 
Now, if I say the BBC is an example, if anybody has any physical ailment, be that from a cold to something far more serious, and this is this goes back before the pandemic, it's taken extremely seriously. People are immediately given the time off they need to fully recuperate and get back to full fitness. And that's great. And that's how a lot of newsrooms that I've worked in in the past for different broadcast media organisations have been. However, it's a different story for mental health. And I think there is a reluctance to necessarily give time off for mental health because it's something that isn't visible. I've also had somebody get in touch with me to say that they had approached their boss saying they specifically needed a couple of days off to deal with the anxiety and stress that they were dealing with. And that request was refused because there was a rotor issue. And if they came off the rotor, there was absolutely no way that the relevant news bulletins that needed to be filled would be. If that had been a physical problem, if that particular journalist had broken their leg, then a solution would have been found. But because this was a mental health problem, it was seen as too inconvenient. And that is an attitude, I think, that has to change right at the very top. And this isn't unanimous across the board, but there are newsrooms in which mental health is not given the priority that it should be. And so having those conversations, giving that mindfulness and well-being training to staff and recognising that sometimes people will need to take sudden time off for mental health, just as you would if you broke your leg, that's something that we've really got to have a serious look at. Yeah, and not feel like they have to justify themselves either, I guess. That's that's another really good point because people, certainly in my experience, feel quite reluctant to come forward because they don't want to, A, be seen to be a bother or to be taking time off work unnecessarily because it's perhaps regarded as slightly frivolous. And that shouldn't be the way that we operate in 2021 and I think there are still too many places of work and I'm speaking about workforces more generally here not just in journalism where we don't prioritize mental well-being high enough and it means that there is still some stigma attached to it well great Work has been done over the past 10 years through so many initiatives and public awareness raising campaigns to try and strip some of the stigma away from mental health it's still there to some extent and we have had people get in touch with Newsbreak who said I'm really grateful for this platform but I really don't want to share my story because I don't want to go public with it and that's absolutely fine but the fact that some people still feel as though they cannot talk about them is a worry and that will only improve if newsrooms start to make these conversations more visible, to make the support more visible and to make it a more acceptable issue. When we perhaps think about what newsrooms will evolve into, the common idea that we come back to is this idea of a hybrid model between working from home and and going back to physical newsrooms. With everything that we've spoke about so far, what would be your main hope, wish for the mental health discussion in that setup? Going forward, I think you're quite right. Jacob, in that this is very likely the, the pandemic to herald a a sort of future of hybrid working where people will work from home when they can and they will go out on stories uh, when it is the, the right thing to do for that particular story. We have to make sure that just because people are at home, that their mental health isn't kind of sidelined too. And 
my worry is that if those people are not actually in the office and perhaps they're not being asked as much whether they're okay, whether they're doing all right, those kind of visual cues that you can get from someone when you speak to someone face-to-face that can indicate problems that might not necessarily be explored or be explained, there has to be some kind of structure in place. And I don't know what that is, to be honest. It's something that I think has to be done as part of a collaboration between between management and journalists themselves. But what we don't want is a situation where people feel cut off at home, where they feel isolated, and while they might be producing the same content that they were, they don't actually feel part of a team. Team dynamics, team bonding is crucial to the well-being of people in newsrooms, and that has to continue. And finding good ways of allowing that to continue, be that through... Um, inclusion in meetings, finding ways of delivering those meetings that feels a little bit less one way. Something has, has got to be looked at in that that respect. Yeah. I mean, earlier you said how signposting of mental health support and resources is quite difficult in a physical newsroom. In a virtual newsroom, I mean, surely that's even harder if, if that's layered with forms and other processes that you have to go through. Are you worried about that? Is is that attention you think might come up? Absolutely. And we're getting into that conversation again about people being handed a leaflet. They'll just be given an email with a link pointing them towards one of the many great mental health organisations that there are out there. And that's not to say that that isn't useful because these organisations, thinking of the Samaritans and others, um, have offered so many people in journalism and outside some really useful advice and been a real rock for them when they felt as though the situation was getting on top of them and getting too much. But that shouldn't be the norm and we shouldn't really be forcing journalists to have to seek outside help at the first instance. Let's see what we can do within the journalism community first because there's no one better than journalists to understand what other journalists are going through. And I think it's quite difficult, you know, as I'm sure you will know, if you speak to non-journalist friends and you tell them about the stresses of your day and what your day looks like, they kind of go, wow, yeah, that sounds really quite quite a lot that you're doing. Um, but I don't think they fully appreciate the kind of mental toll that it takes. You know, as part of my pattern of shifts, I work night shifts every two and a half weeks that is exhausting. And that, that really is physically exhausting more than anything else. And then I'm going back onto days for another couple of sets before the cycle starts again. So having to deal with things like that on top of mental well-being is really tricky. And we have to, again, make sure that journalists feel like, as well as managing all the other stresses of the job, actually having to approach management about their mental health isn't another stress we should make it as easy as possible for people to get the information that they need from other journalists and like i say the best thing we can do is having conversations about it because if across the community we start talking about these issues then we'll find some common solutions i have no doubt about that whatsoever if the hybrid model comes to pass and you're one of those that has to work from home what would be the level of support that you would want and you would need in that scenario? I think I would want to make sure that I was included in every meeting. 
I wasn't being kind of sidelined in any way. And it's making sure that opportunities to speak with management to raise concerns are not put to one side, because I think that can quite easily get lost. And you might say, if you're working at home, well, actually, if I've got this concern, I might just email my boss rather than just walking up to them and raising a concern when it's perhaps more likely to be dealt with because if they're very busy, that email might just get lost in the chain and you might be worrying about that for the rest of the day or longer if it takes uh, that boss to reply to your concerns. I'm sure there'd be very good reason for such a delay, but it can just add to that feeling of perhaps not being prioritised or or feeling slightly isolated. And generally, making sure that you are in a really good environment, that you actually have all the kit that you need to do your job properly and feeling able to raise that. And, you know, our team have been brilliant. The BBC have done really great work in making sure that the kit that is going out to people works properly. Any technical issues that arise um, are relatively swiftly addressed. And that absolutely needs to continue because I think there's nothing more frustrating than someone who absolutely wants to play their part as part of a team, is on a laptop where the connection's gone down, they can't connect to the main server, and they feel slightly lost at home with no one to talk to. And that can really increase the mental burden on them because isolation can lead to anxiety and negative feelings. And just to put it out there, if someone listening to this fancies writing for the website, um, how can they do that and what does the procedure look like? So they can just uh, have a look at takeanewsbreak.com. That's all one word. Uh, Our DMs are open on Twitter. We have the same Twitter handle, at takeanewsbreak. We treat all of our journalists who have been in touch with us in complete confidence. Anybody who is named on the website has given their permission to do so. And what we did a few weeks ago, actually, was have our first Zoom conversation. So on Twitter, we invited anybody who just wanted to chat about their mental health to come along to a Zoom session. It's completely anonymous. So you sign up anonymously, you just give us an email address. If you don't want to use your real name, you can set up an email account that doesn't include your real name. And it's always interesting with these things, when you try them out, you wonder if anybody's actually going to turn up. And people did. And There was no agenda, deliberately. It was just supposed to be a free-for-all conversation about mental health and how people were feeling and to share ideas and experiences. We were only meant to be there for an hour and the chat lasted for more than two. And we chatted about all manner of things from burnout to stress to our own personal experiences of newsroom work, processing difficult information and dealing with overload in that respect and some of the people got in touch after the event having been involved in it and said do you know what this has been really reassuring because I was slightly reluctant to take part but in fact I'm so glad I did knowing that I'm not alone has reassured me so much and I think through some of the articles that we've published on Newsbreak people have got in touch and say, you know, these experiences have exactly mirrored mine. And I thought I was the only one. It's so refreshing to see this and to know that I haven't been on my own. And, you know, maybe that makes it easier to then go and and start the conversation with the higher ups. Yeah. And on that point, somebody who wrote a blog for us, a uh, really great journalist called Laura, she published the blog and her managers at... Um, 
reach the publishers of the mirror and uh, the express have now um given us some additional responsibilities in terms of mental health and looking after the well-being of colleagues and that came about as a result of her newsbreak piece and she's thrilled to do it we are thrilled that reach are taking this very seriously and they've been very proactive in terms of mental health through the pandemic so you know full credit to them and you know these small changes can actually make a big difference if this happens industry-wide and we will keep banging the drum and we will keep having the conversations and the more people who tell their stories the harder it's going to be to go back to how things work. I'm sure we could be here another two hours as well uh, talking about this but Tom it's been a pleasure to have you on the show thanks for all of your honesty time and insights. Great to talk to you really nice to speak. Great to speak to Tom there. And a quite simple takeaway would be to start the conversation. Change won't happen without it. If you're not content with the level of mental health support you're receiving, you can use your voice. Write for a website like Newsbreak. You can do so anonymously if you are that reluctant to be named, or do me named, and that can be the springboard and the confidence you need to take the conversation up further with your superiors. I'll definitely keep tabs on the website as we continue to monitor this conversation. If you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to feature on the show, do drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. But that's all we have time for today. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.